You know, a conversation starter I have learned from my children, and it took me a while to learn this, that is politically incorrect, begins with the question, so, where are you from? Now, my innocent intention is to find out perhaps a commonality. Like, oh, I know that place, it's so beautiful. Or, do you know someone there? I know them too. But I've learned that the person on the receiving end of the question can feel like I've implied they don't belong here. And so I've adjusted that a little bit. But interestingly, when you ask our fellow Jews, so, where are you from? What can people say? Our responses can be so manifold. Maybe your family goes back generations here in San Francisco, all the way to the 49ers. Maybe the old country, as far as your children are concerned, is the Lower East Side of Manhattan. If we're feeling particularly traditional, we can say that our families go all the way back to ancient Israel, an unbroken line of connection. I think some of the DNA tests even claim that. Jewish tradition says you can answer it this way, and this answer is true of people new to Judaism as well. Your soul stood at Sinai. So it goes back even earlier than Israel. And then you must know, a good reading of Jewish history reminds us, we Jews have lived all over the world, whether fleeing oppression or seeking opportunity, because we've moved around for both reasons. Wherever we've settled in the diaspora, we've been able to hold on to our identity and even flourish, that we've been able to do that is partly due to a teaching that comes from this week's Parsha of Aikahel. For there at the foot of Sinai, they finally start to put together that first center of Jewish worship, the Mishkan, and it's portable. It moves wherever we go. And the most portable thing of all in the Mishkan is what? Right inside that ark is the Torah that any person can carry. Jonathan Sarna, in his book, American Jewish History, writes about the first Torah being carried by a Jew to America and setting up Jewish community. And so wherever we've been, we've taken Torah with us, and we've built synagogues like this one and made our Jewish home and helped Jewish life to thrive. Now, as events in the world unfold in what is still a painful, disappointingly violent way, reflective of the idolatry of the human urge to power or domination, no end of history, this. Aren't you getting a little tired of the rinse the players and repeat of how we behave as human beings? Well, in this time, I want to remind you that some of our families along the way, of course, are deeply rooted in the Ukraine. When asked personally, where am I from? I can say Upland, California, which no one's ever heard of. And so I say near the Claremont Colleges. I was born in Kaiser Hospital, Fontana. And my, settled, my parents came there via the Bronx. But when someone asked, and before that, 
I can then share that a part of my family, before coming to this land of freedom, hailed from the great Jewish city of the Pale, from Odessa, which is one of the largest cities in that place, Ukraine. It's often said that if you are from Odessa, you are either an artist or a thief. I like the kid that as a rabbi, you have a little bit of both in you. <laughs> but it was there that Jews gravitated on the shores of the Black Sea in a great urban gathering, making clear that though they were forced to live in the pale, they didn't just live in shtetls, but they settled in cities. And Odessa was that great, cultural, vibrant new city for Jewish life. Another part of my family comes from Lvov, in Yiddish. Lemberg as well, it's called. That place traded hands between Poland, Austria-Hungary, and Russia. And as you probably know, it's now the capital city of Ukraine. In the Austro-Hungarian Empire, it was the center of Galicia, the administrative center. And it was there that one of the first Jewish-German schools was established as Jews entered into the Enlightenment, or some doors were opened to us. And so these cities in Ukraine, Kiev as well, they were some of the most fertile areas of Jewish intellectual and social and cultural development. And as I mentioned earlier in the service, who died there? Rebbe Nachman of Bratslav in Uman. And he's buried there. And that's at times, it becomes one of the largest Jewish cities in the world when uh, Bratislava or Hasidim and all these other actually kind of hippie people, <laughs> when there's not COVID and there's not war, go and pay a, a visit, make pilgrimage to Uman. And that sleepy town kind of becomes a big Jewish town for a while. Now, we know that Ukraine, from a Jewish historical perspective, was also a place with a painful history, too. The losses there during the Holocaust were tremendous. And Ukrainian units joined in the Nazi extermination of our people. Few of us are disappointed that our families left that region behind. And unlike the Italian and German and other immigrants who came to this country, almost no American Jews ever thought of returning to Ukraine beyond a heritage visit. And yet today, we, from a Jewish perspective, need to be deeply concerned about the Russian attack on that country. According to the Jewish Agency reports, there are still 200,000 Jews there who would be allowed to make Aliyah under the law of return. Israelis have moved there over the last number of years, too, to seek out opportunity in that land. I don't know if you read over the articles that are businesses here in San Francisco that have opened up software offices there in Ukraine. Twice now I've planned Jewish heritage trips there to see not just what was, but what's being reestablished. And the embattled President Zelensky, who I hope is still alive, he's Jewish. He's a Jewish comedian who took on one of the most difficult jobs in the world. What a brave person. We are taught, kol Yisrael aravim we are always responsible for each other. 
So we need to help our fellow Jews there. Israel, as I'm speaking, is trying to help Jews who wish to emigrate to the safe haven that it is and get to the land that was created in order to be a safe haven. Think how important Israel is even more so today for our people. And in these dark days, we are called upon to help with financial and moral support as well. Just today, we were able to add on our website a list of Jewish organizations that will be of support to the Jewish and the general Ukrainian communities. And you can send donations to them. Among them are the World Union for Progressive Judaism, who has people, including rabbis, on the ground there because there have been new synagogues established in Ukraine. And Israel, which will help with refugees of all backgrounds, they're setting up uh, uh, refugee camps, I think, in Moldova, right next door, because people are trying to get out. And we can be of help, even from here. And finally, let us be resolute and demand bipartisan support and leadership from our leaders to stand up against such horrific behavior. We don't want our world to slip back into allowing larger countries to play the bully and oppress others. This is a heinous act on the part of Putin that will also bring suffering upon our brothers and sisters living in the beautiful land of Russia as well. And we Jews should be prepared as gas prices go up and food prices go up for inevitable anti-Semitic provocations, blaming us as those who caused this because the anti-Semites will take any opportunity to raise their ugly heads. But as Rebbe Nachman taught, the world's a narrow bridge. Let us not be afraid. It's never wrong to resist the pharaohs of every age, those who will worship at the golden calf of power and their desire for dominance. No, we Israelites, we're told in this Parsha to keep building the Ark of Hope, to keep others' help seeing, even in dark times, God's wonder and blessing in the diversity of creation. And keep praying that all peoples, despite the mistakes and errors of their leaders, will vision a time where all may sit under their vine and their fig tree and none will make them afraid. Amen.